This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by French Toast in a Can. Uh, What's wrong, Billy? Uh, I really want some breakfast before school, but my parents have been waiting all night for Star Wars tickets. Nah, not a problem. Try French Toast in a Can. Uh, it's this type of can? Just flip the top there, yeah. Uh, uh. How do you like it, Billy? Uh, it tastes like sadness and maple syrup. Two of our guarantees. French toast in a can. In your grocer's dry goods aisle. Hey, and have fun seeing Star Wars. They're just buying the tickets to scalp them. Oh. Hello, and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema, who can currently be found on RiffTracks.com, is K1, a.k.a. Kevin. Welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be back yet again. And joining us is Jaren, who is also known as the great electronic artist Bonaventure James, as well as the self-proclaimed Jughead Jones of Calgary, Alberta. Welcome, Jaren. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> and last but not least is our very special guest. She is a super talented artist whose work can be seen in the Pirates of Mars comic series, as well as upcoming issues of the new Archie reboot series and some future Marvel comics. Veronica Fish, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for joining us. This is very exciting. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is really nice. All right, well, I'll just start by stating the obvious. How perfect is it that someone named Veronica gets to work on <laughs> Archie comics? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe that's why I got the job. <laughs> oh, it's it's so exciting. I feel incredibly happy to be, I don't know, a part of such a um, you know classic American comic, getting such a wonderful reboot. And and my my grandmother's name is is Betty, by the way. Oh She's wow! Blonde. Oh wow! Yeah, and super nice. <laughs> and I'm opinionated and brunette, so it works out. Now, were you, were you named after Veronica from the comics? No, uh, actually, no one in, in my family ever read comics. I'm actually the first one to kind of have any interest in it at all. Um, my dad was going to name me Constance, and my mom thought that was really lame. <laughs> so she <laughs> told him, you got to do something better. Um, so I'm actually, I'm named after, because like my dad, my grandfather is a is a pastor, so they named me after the, the woman who I, th I think she wipes Jesus's face and like, his image goes onto her cloth. So uh, my grandpa told me that it has something to do with kind of being predestined to be an artist, which I think is way too lofty <laughs> for what I'm doing. I think he thought a bit too much of that. But but yeah, that's a, it's a nice name. I think it's, it's kind of, it's unique. And at the same time, um, I don't know. I, I really grown into it. I, I used to think it was, you know, embarrassing because no one else had it. But now I like that. So. Well, my second guess was going to be the Elvis Costello song, but I guess I was way off. I love that song. <laughs> I love it so much. I don't get get tired of that. So. <laughs> I have similar problems with uh, my name being the you know being the only one uh, with with my name. So uh, I, I definitely feel your pain. And funnily, <laughs> funnily enough, um, my name. Um, I guess it means uh, it has some Hebrew roots in the word to shout or to sing, and I've sort of uh, tried to make myself into a singer, although I'm not a uh, professional by any means. 
well, you got the the voice thing so like going, so it's it, it's all tied tied together. Do do people call you like Jared a lot, and you have to correct them? Yeah, every day. And, and one of my best <laughs> one of my best friends is Jared, so it, it gets confusing. Ah. Oh man. Well, see, I I only knew you as Bonaventure for a very long time. Yeah, and that's a whole other thing with um, you know growing up. Uh, you know, I kind of started to form my personality around the same time I got the internet. So I've, you know, had a million pseudonyms <laughs> and always thinking it was a good idea to, you know, make them more complex. And, and now it's, this is the one I, I you know, I, I lucked out in terms of getting a, a nice Twitter handle. So I'm sticking with this one now. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of you had to grow up with beam me up Scotty. So, <laughs> <laughs> so was, was Veronica a name that uh, people really associated with the comic books? as a child? Um, I did kind of get that every once in a while. That's actually what I do think is really cool about the Archie series is that I really feel like even people who maybe don't read comics regularly or the comic book world isn't their thing, everyone knows it and it's so iconic. that Yeah, I mean it's like everyone knows the name Betty, Veronica, Jughead, Archie and they kind of have a pretty good idea of what their characters are even if no one has, you know, can associate a specific story or even knows the name of Laugh Digest or, or Pep Comics. So I think it's um, it's amazing to me how comics really like infiltrate so many things and so many people. You know, it's such a big a big part of you know how we communicate. Like we don't even realize that these things are part of our you know like dialogue. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's like you know people would say, "Where's Jughead?" A lot, and that kind of gets old. And <laughs> uh, I really I don't like being called Ronnie. I hate that. I really, really hate that. But I, I, I stopped. I stopped telling people not to because I, I feel like when people are being, you know, nice to you, just kind of like let it go because it's done in, in a good thing. So did you grow up reading the Archie comics? I didn't. I didn't grow up reading any comics. Um, I didn't have anyone in my family who like gave them to me as presents or, um, like we didn't go to a a store and and get them. So for me, I was always into animation always and I really really wanted to be an animator so I didn't even come across the Archie comic books until I was working at a comic book store when I was 16 and it's like then my world kind of exploded um just became exposed to a lot of different things what were your favorite cartoons growing up oh my gosh (laughs) so many um well Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a big one and I didn't understand the differences in animation quality when I was young (laughs) like I just loved everything anything that was moving and exciting and had um, even the the most like paltry bit of like m- music anything like bah, bah. <gasps> it's starting something is starting so yeah and then I would kind of re- I realized working at the, at the comic shop that a lot of the cartoons I liked had comics or were based in comics and then that kind of spread out but I love Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles I used to get up really early in the morning at like six in the 90s to go to watch watch uh, Sailor Moon in the, on Saturday mornings. Um, yeah, like, I do feel like I should kind of come up with maybe some, like, artsier ones to, to give you, but these are the first ones that have come into mind. <laughs> like, no, no, just, just wondering, because I mean, same, same thing for me, too. It just, yeah, uh, I, I loved, you know, that Ninja Turtles cartoon when I was growing up. Yeah. I loved, um, I love anything that, that had, you know, hand-done special effects, like, I was a huge Pee Wee Herman fan, so I would watch, um, I, I loved when they would kind of mix claymation 
you know, with the penny segments. Oh, yeah. And they would also show a classic, um, maybe like public domain, King of Cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> like these great, maybe even Fleischer Studios. I'm not even sure if they had the rights to those, but um, just a melange of amazing things, you know, black and white. And I loved Popeye. I loved, um, and like I said, the Fleischer Brothers. So I absolutely loved uh, Superman. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Um, yeah, and then when I got to art school, I, I realized that um, most of my friends actually weren't even in in my major of illustration. Most of my friends were in the animation major. So no matter what you do, you always kind of go back to the things that you loved when you were a kid. And I think the things that had the most to speak to you, and that never kind of goes away. Um, so cart- like watching cartoons and watching animation was always just such a, a big part of my my day <laughs> like just had to oh, i was gonna say that's so true like the uh you know you're so such an impressionable at such an impressionable age and you mm-hmm. sometimes feel like you grow out of things but then like this has kind of been like the reaction for me with archie uh the reboot is that you know i i someone gave me a giant box of them um mm-hmm you know, right, you know, from the seventies, uh, through the nineties, just a bunch of digests. And then I just, nice. you know, read every single one of them and then sort of kind of forgot about Archie grabbing them at the grocery store now and then, uh, when I was feeling jaunty or whatever. And, and then <laughs> now, um, like getting to dive back into the comics and, and feeling yeah. all these waves of nostalgia and things like that. I'm like, wow, I really like this. And I'm a lot more into comedy these days and, you know, I take myself a lot less seriously. So, you know, yeah. the, the idea of, uh, you know, you know, jokes and, and gags and you know, this great, like physical humor that's mm-hmm. brought out in the Archie comics is like, I'm like, wow, like this is, you know, why did I ever think that I was like a Sandman fan or something like that? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no offense to, you know, Neil Gaiman, cause those are no, great no, no. books and they're like beautiful pieces of art, but it's like, I'd much rather, you know, open up a, a double a Jughead double digest sometimes than, than yeah. dive into, uh, you know, something really serious. Yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. It's like candy as opposed to a, a large meal. You know, they both have their places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, have you gone back to the old comics to see how they hold up? I did, specifically to um, Harry Lucy, um, who does my absolute favorite versions of the kind of house style. And I think he was doing pep comics in the 30s. And actually, my husband and I were driving cross-country, and uh, we were listening to satellite radio and of all things an archie comics um like live radio show came on it was really cool the voices that that they got were like oh jughead oh geez where's the the red potatoes and jughead's like i don't know are they underneath the sink and they do this for like 20 minutes you know really not a lot happens in the in the course of a day but it is just fun it's just fun to flip through it and um some of the the Lucy art in the in the in the thirties, just the the brushwork is so beautiful, and the way that he really um, you can tell that like he's a classically trained artist. I think for him as an artist, it was probably really freeing to like not really have to make each panel this this kind of like laborious effort. You get a lot of freedom to use the comedy and to I don't know feel like you're having fun as you're drawing it and as and as you're you're reading it. So pep comics for me, I, I like those a lot. I like the the laugh digests, um, and I'm so 
I'm just so feeling like the way that Mark is also going back to those because you can just see it when you read this, the script that he has absolutely gone back and read all of these things. And it's like all there and it and it it works, whether it's 1936 or whether it's 2015. Uh, I really appreciate what uh, what Mark is doing because mm -hmm. it's like uh, you can tell that, uh, you know, sort of as uh, a bit of a comic veteran himself, he's you know, going through and, uh, like, uh, you know, digesting, you know, all these stories and then kind of running it, th sort of the, the ideas through his own lens. And he's bring he's like getting something that's, um, in, in a way, you know, in that first description that he goes through at the end of, uh, Archie number one, um, and he kind of, you know, has to bring people up to speed on what certain slang terms mean or, um, like I think he like describes what, what Archie's car is in relation to, you know, why they call it a jalopy, for example. And then there, <laughs> there is a little bit of that in the new one where, you know, maybe in 70 years people will forget what a hashtag is. And so people are, will be asking like, oh, why is there, why does this Octothorpe keep showing up about the lipstick <laughs> incident? Oh, true, true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. He's exceptional. I just, I just think... There's really, like, no one else like him. Um, and I mean, just the way he can kind of skip genres around. And um, and I'm, I'm sure if if you asked him, you'd, you'd probably say that, you know, writing, like, Black Widow really isn't all that much different than writing, like, a typical super powerless high school drama. That it's just all about people and their relationships to each other. Mm. And then all the super stuff is, like, on the periphery. So I, I just think that at... At Mark's core, he's just he's just such a solid writer, just period. That um, it's really flattering for me to be able to work with him, and I don't want my own nerves to kind of get in the way of the art being good. Where I'm like, oh, I hope he likes this, because <laughs> <laughs> then then it you know it, it slows down the the process. So just kind of like take a deep breath, and you're like, yeah, this is this is gonna be great. <laughs> and he and his his words, you know. His words make it easy because he just the way he lays out the the script is really nice because he he writes maybe max I don't know six panels a, a page which gives me a, a lot of freedom to kind of expand or shrink things um, according to where I think he wants the placement of the emphasis. But yeah, I think he's totally nailed it. I think he's nailed the characters, their relationships to each other, and. And in a, a, a selfish way, I'm really happy that Veronica isn't a total jerk. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's just kind of more socially a little bit inept, you know, the way she kind of doesn't really know how to how to talk to people sometimes. So I like that. I like how he, he figured that out. Yeah, I'm not too well versed in the older, you know, or I should say just volume one uh, Archie comics, but it seems as though they're a little bit more complex as characters. Yeah. I, I wish I was a better authority on, on the whole canon, but God, there's just so many stories. There's a great um, set of, like, remember when they would do those jelly jars that you could also turn into drinking glasses and they would print the cartoons on the side? Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a great Archie set, and some of the band ones were so silly. It was just, like, them. And then for some reason, like, Reggie is wearing this, uh, like, fringe leather 70s, like, McLeod coat <laughs> and he just looks like what are you doing like why are you in the band and 
he's like on the other side of the glass, so it's like they like the rest of the band didn't want him in. <laughs> it's like on the side. Yeah, too bad we can't draw Reggie in those seventies studs because those are those are funny. <laughs> really, really funny. Did, did any of you ever watch the uh, the cartoon from like the sixties or seventies? I've only seen snippets of it. I, I I really don't know a lot about it, but I have seen just the the opening. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cute. Probably about all I've seen as well. Yeah, I'm a little more familiar with um, and and just barely the uh, the Archie's Weird Mysteries, which came much later. Oh, I don't I don't know those very well. I know of them though. Yeah, it's more of like a. I think it's kind of a. Uh, halfway between the and like the original Archie show and uh, Scooby Doo, like the idea of like a whole gang getting together oh, okay. and, and and solving kind of strange mysteries. That's cool. I wonder, um, was that in the seventies? Actually, I think that's a late nineties, uh, maybe oh, okay. early two thousands thing. Actually. Okay, because I was I was curious. I I just asked because um, I've been really into like Kolchak lately, and I was just thinking like I wonder if other things at the time were influenced by Kolchak or if maybe there was like a wave of um, monster mystery solving that went hand in hand with the you know, Scooby-Doo cartoons that were airing at the same time. So do you guys like the Sabrina and um, the Afterlife books? I think those are great. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the, I was really impressed with uh, Afterlife with Archie. Um, the uh, I apologize if I if I butcher his name, but Francesco Fravella, Fravilla. Uh, oh, Francavella. Francavella. Yeah, Fra- Francavella. Yeah. Um, his art it just blows my mind every time, and I, I love it. And then yeah. on the Sabrina side, uh, uh, Hack's art is is, is amazing <laughs> as well. So um, they're really hitting that gothic style, and and the writing totally. is is a lot of fun as well. So totally, yeah. I think that's that's something that Archie does so so well is that they just they they find really cool people to kind of like get them together and then they're not afraid to let the characters um you know go to crazy places or do crazy things it's just kind of like like oh it would be cool if well we should make that happen and then they do it so <laughs> there's a uh, there's a cool frank avia cover like a variant cover of the archie reboot too he is oh man he he works like 24 hours a day. I don't know when he sleeps. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he is an absolute powerhouse, that guy. But yeah, he's he's amazing. Like I, I love those heavy blacks and then like the real punchy colors. It's so cool. Yeah, it's really nice. I, I tried to grab the uh, his variant for uh, Archie versus Predator. And it disappeared. And <laughs> disappeared immediately. I, I I couldn't track it down, and it's oh, it's man. so cool. That that was a really interesting series as well to kind of um, sort of keep with the uh, current characters. Like they weren't trying to go into the afterlife uh, universe. They just stuck in the same universe, and it was just like a really fun, um, cool. gory kind of. <laughs> uh, they, they, I think they captured the. Uh, they made it more of a, like it wasn't much like the movies, um, mm-hmm. but it was more like a, you know uh, like a Friday the Thirteenth where you know it's like a bunch of kids running around getting hacked to pieces. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I will definitely get that then because I, I I like Alex DeCampi's work. Um, that's on my on my pull list. I wanted to ask you what it's actually like, you know, working on these comics. Like, how do you how do you get approached to do something like this and. Uh... Like, what's the process? Like, you, 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 how do you get the script and then begin drawing? Sure. 
Um, the way I the way I came to work on this book uh, was I was at Heroes Con in North Carolina in 2014, and as just luck would have it, I was kitty cornered with Chip Zdarsky, um, Matt Fraction, and Kelly Sue DeConnick. That's where our tables were. Nice. Um, I I don't really do a lot of cons, um, so I didn't really know any of them. And Chip had come over and was flipping through my portfolio, and um, we hit it off. And he asked if I would be interested in putting together some pictures for Image, because um, at that time he was working on, or he is working on, sex criminals, and he had just sold Captara to them. Um, and I was like, sure. So we kind of kind of kicked around ideas, but. Um, you know, I was busy working on paintings and for galleries, and he was he was working on a lot of other things. So nothing had come together. And then out of the blue, I got an, an email that said, you know, hello from Archie Comics. And you know, I I just thought for sure I had accidentally signed up for some kind of email <laughs> blast. And I was like, oh, cool! I didn't know I signed up for this. Um, and Alex Segura, who's the editor for Dark Circle and their uh, their main PR guy, another guy who works. 24 hours a day, <laughs> amazing, writing his own novels, asked if I'd do some samples and said that Chip um, Chip told them to look at my work. So I was extremely grateful for that. I didn't didn't expect it. Um, so I put together some samples and they liked them. And then I didn't hear anything for a little while. And then they said, hey, do you want to do you want to do issues, you know, five and six of the main series? And I was so excited. Actually, I was on Cape Cod when I got the news. I dropped my phone <laughs> and <laughs> cracked it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, that's okay. <laughs> this is a good day. Yeah. So um, I was extremely grateful that, you know, Chip liked my, my work enough to um, to bring it up. I had no idea. So then when you get the timeline, because there's a, a couple of editors, and usually they send you a schedule, and you have – when, this, when the writer has their deadline for the, when the script is due, I have my deadline for when the first pencils and lay, or layouts and pencils are, are due. I have my second deadline for when the inks are due. And then whoever's coloring it, because um, sometimes the same person will color if they want to. And then the colorist has their deadline, the letter has their deadline, and then you have final print deadline. So usually it's about two months to put together a twenty-two standard 22-page issue, um, which actually is not a long time um, because if it takes me basically one full working day like eight hours to draw maybe three pages like fully pencil three pages and that includes stuff that's for me hard like you know cars and perspective and um, you know getting things to look really really good so for example I had also taken Howard the Duck which the deadline was pretty much the exact same time as my Archie deadline and I thought okay this is good I don't really have any friends, so <laughs> I'm just gonna stay inside. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm just kidding. I have friends, um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna work. So, for example, this was an, a ridiculously busy month for me, where I had I would just work about twelve hours a day every day for you know five or six weeks. I would just get up in the morning, go directly to my studio, I read the script. Um, and if the script is um, paneled out, like it'll say, you know, you know, panel one, blah, 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 panel two, um, it makes my job a little bit easier. And then in the case of Howard the Duck, Chip had actually sent me some layout ideas, which are really helpful. And that speeds the process up. And then other times it'll be plotted. So 
like Mark had, um, he's got a really cool scene coming up and he said, all right, Veronica, here's the paragraph, here's the way that the dialogue has to be laid out, but essentially just take up two pages however you feel it should be de like depicted. So that I got to go totally on my own. Um, hmm. So, yeah, just like working about 12 hours a day, I was able to get uh, 44 pages done in about five weeks, and that includes coloring 22 pages of Howard the Duck and then doing a cover for each one. I have a Howard variant and then doing issues five and six covers. Um, so it's it's a ridiculously grueling pace when you... Like, when you finally begin to get work as a comic book artist, it's so exciting, but at the, at the, at the same time, all of a sudden stuff gets real. And you're like, oh, man, this this is really what it takes to to put together 22 pages. Like, this is the amount of hours. Um, because when I was working on Pirates of Mars, and, or actually, I am working on it, but unfortunately, just, you know, the pace is slow while I'm on this stuff, I would just kind of have an open-ended deadline. So I could work on paintings, I could work on illustrations for clients for magazines, but essentially my deadline is just whatever I like whenever I really want it to be on, to, to be up on comicsology. Mm -hmm. But for this, I mean, you really you are a, a link in a, a chain of many people and you really have to be on time because if you're late, it screws everything up. So um, when suddenly you're kind of responsible for you know keeping all this together, um, I just go into like high gear focus mode. <laughs> I just, I just put on movies or music all day and I just think about this script. I read it and I picture it like a movie in my, in my mind. If the script is plotted out, you know, what's the best way that I can show this so that the reader gets what is happening. But at the same time, I also have to be thinking about the word balloon placement, um, and how that that person is going to order who is talking first and how they talk to each other. So it's it's fun because you're you're really solving a a puzzle. You have all the, you have these these words in front of you. You can see it. You can see the movie happening in your mind. But when it comes to drawing it, sometimes it goes really smoothly. Like everything's like on fire, and um, and sometimes you hit a, a snag, and you just think, wow, how do I draw this? Or like where do I put the camera in the room <laughs> to get all these people who need to be interacting with e each other? Um, so that's the part of my job that I just love. I love the, the challenge of that. I love that so much. Because for me, it's basically being able to fulfill my dream of being an animator. But I don't have to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have to do 24 frames per second of animations. Like, the movie process for me moves faster. And mm -hmm. in, in comic form, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, very cool. Well, Veronica, like when you say that, you know, you, you put so much time and effort in, I have, like personally, I, I'm a bit of a writer uh, professionally. Mm -hmm. And like for me, that comes very easy. And so, you know, when I thought like, oh, I can, I'm going to try my hand at putting together like a small, like a short comic for myself. Um, and I'm not much of an artist, but uh, I even just at the bare bones and you know only being like a you know, less than 20 page comic uh with no colors I, I just every time I try it or you know I get back to you know penciling a couple of pages um I just think about how much work it is and I have a couple of illustrator friends who just put in so much time <laughs> and effort and it, it is like a 
Um, maybe I take for granted how easy writing is for me, but like when I compare the two art forms, it's like I almost like feel bad that um, <laughs> sometimes that the writing side of things, um, it seems like, you know, I'm just typing. Like I can type and type and type and that's, you know, easy. And then you're like putting so much effort into, you know, rendering these, um, you know, not only like like laying out sort of the the camera angles the uh you know and then like rendering the the characters and what they're wearing and you know their positions and i'm trying to like um trying not to you know be too jealous of 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 your ability to just kind of create you know take words and ideas and and make them into these like uh you know not just beautiful art but like you know making the sequence um play out in a in a very interesting way oh well um that's that's really the the beauty of of making comics is that it 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 really isn't one or the other to me. I just I really think that you you can't have like Scott McCloud says you really can't have a excellent comic that isn't half excellent writing and half excellent art. And really, you can even have um, art that doesn't even have to be beautifully drawn. But if if the story is gold, then the comic's gold. So the way that a story is drawn, the which artist that you that you choose is almost irrelevant, um, because we can tell these stories drawn by like Sam Henderson, like or you know in like stick figures, and if if the dialogue and if the stick figure just shows the minimum amount of emotion needed, then the good story comes through. But if you have a gorgeous book absolutely stunning artwork but the but the story is just really boring well it's nice to look at but it's not really gonna gonna hook people so I just I have so much respect for for writers it's so difficult for me to write like I I really need someone to kind of give me the map I mean working with JJ Cars who wrote Pirates of Mars he is just as good I think as you know guys who are writing for DC Marvel um, Dark Dark Horse so it's when you have these these ideas and when you're able to make characters each sound like they have their own voice, um, that's a, that's a real talent. And that's not something that I can do. Like I, I really need a writer like JJ or Mark to, to be like, all right, great. Here's our, here's our blueprint. And I want you to build the house. And then the, the fun thing is that I get to decide like the color of the walls and I get to decide like what kind of furniture goes yeah. in. And when I'm when I'm really on fire, and we're like putting all the fun chicken fat stuff in, um, it's it's so it's so joyous for me. It's so much fun when um, you know I'm not really thinking too much about the other panels when everything else is laid out. The the pencils are there. Now I get to go back in with my inks and really put in all the fun stuff. So I've got like my sister in there. I've got a friend of mine like high fiving Archie. Um, I've got other friends in the back, you know, at their lockers and that's just when everything clicks and you just, you just start like laughing to your, to yourself alone in your studio. Like, there's Jake. I'm going to give him a tie dye shirt. No, he's going to love that. (laughs) But I, I can't get there without the writer to kind of show me the way when I had tried doing my own comic, totally myself, it was this meandering 300 page epic and I never, I mean, I haven't finished it. I tried finishing it, but it just sucked all the life out of me because I was so, I was so bogged down in the writing process. I didn't know how to edit myself. 
I didn't, so I would, I would put out too many ideas and then I would come back to it a few weeks later and be like, oh man, none of this sounds right. You know, it all sounds like stuff that I had heard during the day or things that I was particularly influenced by that I jammed in there. But when you look at it all together, the tastes don't go well. They don't really match. Um, so, I mean, I envy writers who could just have this kind of great way of knowing, okay, I'm going to use this idea in this situation, but it doesn't really work for this book, so I'm going to use this idea or this sequence in another book. Um, I think it takes a real, a real good sense and a good taste level to be able to know where the story ends, to know what your reader has to or doesn't have to even see. What can you tell in a in a panel that you're not gonna that you don't have to tell in a whole issue. I think one of the examples that I like the best is in Dark Knight, um, when uh, Frank Miller has he has commissioner. I think he has Jim Gordon talking to Bruce, and he says something like, "Have you heard from Dick lately?" And he goes, "You know that that we that we don't talk." So in like one panel, you get that you know Robin and and Bruce haven't spoken in years. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And that's what a good a good writer knows that like you know I don't have to have the artist draw out this whole thing. I think we can, um, or like what what can we even tell in a poster on the wall or a photograph or like what props kind of add add to the depth of the story. So it's fun. It's really fun um, working with people that you really get. Like it was it was really fun working with Chip on um, on Howard the Duck and. You, you expect it to be all jokey all, all the time, <laughs> and it totally isn't. I can't wait for this issue to come out because um, there's tiny bits of humor sprinkled in, but it's really heart-wrenching. Um, so he really throws a curve that he can do multiple things, and it's a real talent for any any writer. So, Well, Chip is uh, he, he's in such an enviable position because he... He can draw uh, quite well. Uh, he does sex criminals. He mm-hmm. um, is a great writer. And then he also has that day job that's pretty great as well. So <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he's killing it. Um, he is killing it. All of, and, all of these, these, these people just have, there's like no time to eat. <laughs> there's no time to sleep. It's just work. But yeah, he, he does a lot. And it's too bad because like, I think, I like want nothing more than to be Chip's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's extremely nice, so I'm sure that can that can happen wherever in the position. And actually, he's in he's in Toronto, so if we're ever at um, Toronto Comic Arts Festival, we should all hang out because he's super cool. I'm going to be in Toronto next week, so I'll keep my eyes open you just, for him. You should just show up like at his at his house and be like, Veronica gave me this address. <laughs> <laughs> she asked me to deliver this bouquet to you. <laughs> I don't know. I guess so. There's I'll like just, cookies in it. I'll just show up at his house with a hamburger and yeah. put a crown. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really, really nice. So him he, his background as as an artist or background as I mean obviously chicken came before the eggs, so we don't know which I don't know which one he prefers but because he's drawn so many issues when he gave me the script for Howard and then he gave me some layout ideas it was really easy for me to see where he where he wanted to go just really made my job so much easier to be like oh great this is how we're gonna do this um you know fight scene or whatever um because sometimes every once in a while no matter how clearly a writer writes you end up 
kind of guessing wrong on what they meant or um, just simply by putting a character in the foreground and another character in the, in the background, you can kind of flip the emphasis. So every once in a while you work with someone that you just don't really click with and you know, you try working things out, but you just are different, like you just have different visions for what the, the project should, should be. So I feel incredibly, incredibly grateful that, you know, Pirates, Archie and Howard are just projects that I personally like. Like I would, I would read that as a fan. So I feel incredibly fortunate that you can, that like, it's, even though it's really hard work and it's really many, many hours a day, it's, it's really fun and it feels really satisfying. I, I, I couldn't really do any, anything else because I was, I was a horrendous waitress. <laughs> so <laughs> if this comic thing doesn't work out, like, I don't know where I could put my illustration degree to, <laughs> to good use. <laughs> so gotta make it happen. Now, I was just wondering, like, uh, as far as the timeline goes, so when did, when did you get approached for the Howard the Duck uh, work as opposed to the Archie work? Was that all around the same time? No, Archie was much sooner. Um, Archie approached me in May. So they had just, and they had kind of announced that they were doing something big. And I can't remember if that time they had released just the single Fiona Staples promo image. So I actually didn't know what project I was going to be linked to. They had kind of thrown things around. Um, they had actually even, I, I thought I was going to be working on Jughead for a little bit and we didn't really touch base about it. They just said, please, you know, send us samples. And then Howard came in um, in September. So Howard was very fast. It was like, do you want to work on this? Great. We have a script. Okay, start. <laughs> so, um, you don't really want to say no um, when, you know, opportunities pop up. So, so yeah, it's sometimes like, so, so working on this really made me understand why sometimes books are late and um, from the, the fan side of things being like, oh, I totally understand that, you know, sometimes people get, get sick or sometimes they're working on too many things. And once one person, for whatever reason, maybe it's totally out of their control, is slow, it really holds up the whole publishing process. So I've become, I mean, I, I was then, but I've become a lot more forgiving about just the process of making comics and the way people... Um, you know, the way and when books come out. Because I remember, you know, I get so annoyed buying things to be like, oh man, what's with Kevin Smith taking three years on Black Cat? <laughs> like, this is stupid. <laughs> I totally get it. Like, you, you, when you work on a 22 page issue and you work for maybe two solid months and then you get paid and then that's it, that's the end of that project. Um, the freelance lifestyle is such that you really have to have a lot of things lined up because eventually there's going to be a dry spell. There just will. And um, that's when you decide, okay, maybe I'll do my own thing or maybe I'll pick up the phone and I'll start calling editors that, you know, because like sometimes editors change and now you don't know people and they don't know you. So you got to start the introduction process over again. Huh. So, um, so sometimes it's a, it's a really unstable lifestyle. Like when calls are coming in and it's exciting and you, you feel like you, you, you can't say no. You're afraid that the money's going to stop coming in or that um, you, won't have, you won't have the opportunity if you say no. Um, so it's a lot like, I think, any creative freelance lifestyle. But yeah, um, Howard was, was fast, and I'm very proud to say I was before my deadline. So Nice. nice. Gold star. <laughs> I'm going to buy myself some expensive hot chocolate <laughs> because it's like 20 degrees here. 
Massachusetts. Must oh, be cold in Canada, say, right? Yeah, hit up the, uh, was it Hot Chocolate Sparrow down in uh, Sandwich? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. So, um, Veronica, I just wanted to ask you, too, uh, when it comes to drawing characters, like for the Archie comics or even for mm. Howard the Duck, how much do you reference maybe some of the older works or do you just kind of try to go into it as fresh as possible? Like how, how does that work for you? Um, it was tough not to reference Fiona's work because it was so, it was so definitive for me. Like when we're talking about the new Riverdale mm -hmm. and I feel like she nailed it so well that, um, anything that I would do would be an attempt to not do that. And, when I try to think about it from a reader's perspective, just thinking, well, if if I was reading this and we switched artists, you know, maybe I would want it to look a little bit similar. And I just know that there's no way that I could ever replicate another artist perfectly. I just, um, I don't think it's possible for me. So so I, I felt a little comfortable just being like, well, even if I look at the way that she's designed people's faces and I try and make my uh, Riverdale kids' faces look like hers, that for the reader, it'll be a, little, a bit of a recognizable trans transition. But at the same time, because I can't copy her work, it'll still look like I drew it anyway. Um, I, was, I felt a little bit safe in that. Mm -hmm. So um, I tried to kind of just like follow her lead. And the initial de designs I had done for, for Archie, I made everyone look really cute. Like, um, because I, I hadn't seen any of her, her, her pages. It was too early in the process. Um, so like I gave, you know, Archie like a really cute upturned nose and he kind of has like <laughs> a bit of a one direction look going on and, and Betty, because I was referencing a really cool surfer girl named uh, Puppy Stopnik, cause I was thinking, you know, surfer Betty, that she's also young too. So she doesn't really look like a high school senior in a lot of my designs. She looks like a freshman. Um, but Fiona's work, the faces really look very mature. And I felt like it would just be better for the series if these look like the same ages. Because I, I just think it would be really weird if all of a sudden you, you picked it up and you're like, wow, these guys look kind of young. So she really set the tone and I just wanted to compliment it. Um, and then with, with Howard the Duck, what was exciting about this this issue is that Howard actually... Um, well, that's not what's ex exciting that Howard isn't in it, but I get to work with other characters in the Howard verse. So I get to draw these these two characters that are actually brand new. Oh, nice! Really, really exciting. And I got to basically invent how a character looked because in the script, it's just the name, and then Chip said, um, "Design a space phantom," and I was like, "Yes, awesome. <laughs> yes, design yeah, a great. space phantom." Um, I think I can say it because it's on the cover, but I also get to draw the Silver Surfer in this issue of Howard the Duck. Oh, he wow! Makes a cameo. Yeah, which I wouldn't I wouldn't say it unless it was knowledge because when the when previews comes out you'll see him on there. But that like stopped my heart because the script actually said like insert Kirby crackle. Oh, wow. <laughs> like my blood started racing. I was like, Yes, <laughs> this is it. I was telling my, my parents over over breakfast. I was like, So, uh you have to draw a silver surfer in a couple of pages and they were like, Who's that, sweetie? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Um, so for that one, I specifically went back and I looked at my favorite issues with John Buscema and Jack Kirby. And I, um, I, I actually wanted to make it look like 
when the surfer appears, he's drawn by them. So I, I tried my absolute best. It was so difficult because they're just up there. They're masters. But yeah, I, I had I had put in like, you know, color halftone dots. And um, I tried to mimic the exact same kind of, you know, round and harsh brushwork that, that Kirby did. Um, and the, the problem with with that is that we can't, uh, because I can't replicate their their mastery it you know hopefully people hopefully people get it when they read it and they're like oh yeah she's she's doing an homage that's what I'm, my fingers are crossed but that's really that was really cool that is awesome yeah because yeah, like it, it's it's incredible to draw a character like that but i'm just thinking like what, the reflectiveness of the of his skin <laughs> and everything i can only imagine trying to you know like yeah. in certain lighting it just <laughs> There's this there's this really cool panel where he's like far away and one of the one of the characters who's who's young is like giggling and twittering in the corner and they're just like oh my god he's naked <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like oh yeah he's basically, he's barely wearing trunks so it's it's got a lot of really cute humor sprinkled in but it's actually a really <laughs> a really heart wrenching story and what issues are this so uh, people can uh, can look out for it. So this is how the new relaunch of Howard the Duck issue two. Okay. So you're gonna see these characters previewed somewhere in issue one, which is drawn by the amazing Joe Quinones, and then issue two is following their backstory, and then it leads up to the present in issue three. So awesome. It's like a kind of a one shot, yeah. It's nice, fun. that's cool, and and that's the one uh, I think uh, your variant cover. I think uh, I saw that online. Yeah, that really weird one. Yeah, <laughs> very very strange. I was worried about that. Yeah, um, I thought it was cool. I liked it. So. Oh, good. I'm glad. So, how many covers are going to be coming out that you've worked on? Um, so Jughead Two comes out next month, and I did a variant cover for that, and then. I believe Howard the Duck comes out the month after that, and I have a variant cover. And then the month after that, Archie 5 comes out, I believe, and that one will be my cover, which is kind of cool. And then Archie 6 will come out a month after that. I think that's it. So my schedule is freed up in case anyone wants to, you know, <laughs> need a cover in any way, because <laughs> those are done. <laughs> That's yeah, you, you got to do them so so far out cuz uh the solicitations and previews need like oh like 4 months so Oh wow, yeah, I was going to ask like how do you approach cover art as opposed to the actual comic art? Cover art you get um a bit more opportunity to kind of go a bit painterly if if you want to. And then there are some artists like uh like Dan Hip. And if you guys know Dan Hip, he does He's the art director for the Teen Titans show and, mm-hmm. and a phenomenal mm-hmm. il- illustrator. And he did a really, really cool series of all DC covers. And his work, uh, I think, like, his style is so con- consistent um, that he could do that on a cover and he could work the same for the actual panels. Um, I tried to get a little bit more inky and painterly. I tried to um, really make sure I was doing some hand-done stuff because a lot of my, my panel work is digital just simply for time management reasons, even though I really like having a finished art page. Um, so for, for my next project, I'm going to try and work as hand-done as possible. But covers are covers are fun, and they're also a little bit scary because you, you put a lot of 
um, at least I do, I, I put too much pressure on like, should I do something magnificent or <laughs> should I just do a single moment that could be a panel, but it's just drawn better. Yeah. Cover art now. I do. I, I do feel like maybe you guys feel this way too, that, that the artwork has changed in the past maybe 10 or 20 years on the stands so much. There are so many phenomenal illustrators who are now doing cover work. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe even before James Jean, but I just felt like from 2000 on so many phenomenal illustrators and painters were just like totally taking over. And it's really, it's, it's really cool for me that, um, cause like I, I grew up in the, you know, cable of the nineties and spawn where everything was so overly rendered. Mm -hmm. So for me, I wasn't, it, that's probably the reason why I didn't read comics was all the covers were so unapproachable. I felt, <laughs> you know, I felt like all these like overly muscly guys and the cover really didn't have a different art style to it. It was it reflected pretty exactly what was going to be on the inside. But now I feel uh, like, man, with all the, the comics that are, um, taking a cue from like Dave McKean, you get really cool photography and you get really cool, uh, like silkscreen effect that, you know, it's exciting. It makes you want to try harder, you know, it makes you want to expand. You mentioned, uh, you were also working on uh, silk. Yeah. I'm doing issues four and five of the relaunch. Um, so that won't be out for a, l a little while because my due date is the, is December 28th. So I'll be working on that, um, in a few weeks. And then you have to add in another month for print time. So those probably won't be out until like February of next year. Nice. That one's really cool because it's got so much great action in it. And it's got a character that I didn't know how much I liked because I had kind of like known about her in the 90s and mm -hmm. um, just really wasn't into it. But I feel like with the Stacey Lee reboot, oh man, she made her so cool. Um so I've been really getting into it from having the opportunity to work on that project. So it's it's really fun and to work on Archie, where not a lot of fighting, <laughs> not yeah. a lot yeah, of yeah. like explosions. Um, and working on Silk, where we're gonna have some crazy, like five person all out battle scenes. So I gotta I gotta watch some movies, maybe watch some. Dare, daredevil netflix and figure out how i'm gonna yeah. <laughs> try these things <laughs> that's yeah. very cool yeah it, it was like you were talking about earlier i like you know seeing some of the stuff you've been posting online for archie and just uh Thanks. the little like easter eggs that you've been kind of putting here and there like uh you know like your name or like andy's name or you know just like oh, yeah. little things like that uh just kind of hidden here and there and it's pretty cool oh I'm, I'm i'm glad you like that um this new issue has tons of Easter eggs, so I'm going to be posting a lot about that. Um, and I got to make a new Riverdale mascot, um, oh, which nice. was my idea. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, I, I don't know if I can say it until it's out. That's actually one of the reasons why I haven't been posting very much in the past month. I'm not allowed to show a lot of artwork, and I'm not allowed to show... Like, I, I really, I couldn't show anything from Howard the Duck as I was working on it because um, these are characters that they want to stay secret until issue one is out so that when people flip to that page and they're like, oh. Um, 
so they didn't even want me putting them on the variant cover. So when it when it comes to like what you can talk about when you're making it, it's so restrictive that sometimes I don't even bother because I, I feel like the few times that I do post, I get that email literally within seconds. It's like, hey, do you mind taking that down? I'm like, oh man, oh. yes. <laughs> okay. That stinks. That's all right. But, uh, but yeah, there's going to be tons of weird little hidden things. And um, if they end up getting covered over with word balloons, maybe I can show the original page blank and mm-hmm. you know, highlight some things. Yeah, so how does that work? Do you, do you try to kind of space it out where you kind of have an idea where those are going to go? Or is it just... Yeah, the way that you're supposed to do it um, is as you're laying out, like even before you finish your pencils, as you're kind of like basically laying out how you want stuff to, to fit... Um, you always factor in the word balloons as their own element and that you don't leave it to, um, oh, I'll, I'll just have Jack figure it out. Like that's, you know, that makes his job a little more difficult. Yeah. So um, Chip was really great with the layouts for Howard the Duck because he he put them in in a lot of pages for me. So that was, it got it, got it in my mind's eye. But with, with Archie, I just went through maybe five or six pages where I was like, what is wrong with me? This is not a sentence. This is like three sentences. And now I have to move all this stuff down and I got to I gotta widen how these characters are standing, um, which is like total rookie mistake. But when you get excited, sometimes you fill things in and, you know, in the negative space that has to be reserved for the words. So then you end up having to either erase them or um, kind of move them around. So for issue six, I would definitely be much more, much more cognizant of, um, I mean, just basic things. It, you know, it's like, why didn't I, why didn't I see this when I was reading the script, you know, the third or fourth time? <laughs> <laughs> but you just, you just get in, in the, the zone of, of working. Um, so what I'm going to do next time is just put a bright red placeholder so I can't forget. <laughs> Do you have any more uh, like art shows lined up down the road? I know you've had a, a few that you've uh, that you've done. Yeah, I really, really wanted to get this last painting finished, um, but unfortunately, I just didn't have time for uh, Crazy for Cult in Los Angeles. So I'm usually a part of that show every year. Just really cool pop culture things, and I was going to do Buckaroo Banzai, and I even had my my study, but just not enough hours in the day that's a bummer but i am excited because i'm in the art awakens show at gallery 1988 oh nice and yeah it's really it's really really cool that they are doing a huge charity thing so you can um buy my piece via ebay um i believe on november 13th i did a c3po that is basically dissected and if you've seen Phantom Menace, when C C three PO doesn't have any gold on, um, his insides are coming through. So the gold is kind of cut away, almost like a scientific diagram, and his blue insides are are exposed. Um, I am not allowed to make prints of that because it is for charity, and Lucas Arts is pretty strict about um, that. All the money goes to the Art Awakens charity. So um, if you saw that piece online. Just know that you can't get a copy of it from me. It's not it's not legal. So um, you can buy a print through Gallery 1988, um, or you can bid on the piece for charity. So yeah, I saw that. November That's 13th. that was beautiful. Thank you. Really amazing. It was really fun. 
I was recently away, and uh, when I come back, I was surprised to see in my van that Kevin had left me a print that you had made of the uh, Mystery Science Theater crew, the Mystery Oh my god! (laughs) That's great! (laughs) Oh, it is so awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. The actual one is so neon. Uh, I really wanted that to come through in, in the prints. So uh, I was tweaking a lot, but I'm I'm really glad you like it. Oh, it's great! And you know, beautifully done. And then, of course, a nice homage to the Mystery in Space uh, Paul comics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're um if you're a super fan, you'll probably realize that I did Mike's silhouette, but yep. Yep. it's the Joel opening because I didn't know how to mash them up together and wasn't sure. I mean, there's there's so many versions you can choose from, like so many openings of that show. God, I think what they had six or seven. Um, so it was like, had all these things, well, do I, do I want to do deep thir- 13, like all the layers or how, how do I get Forrester and, and, and Frank in, but eventually you just have to pick one and, and go. So no, I think it came out great. So it, I, I also, uh, have a copy myself. So thank you. I'm really glad you like it. Yeah. So great. And I love that color palette too. Is that something that you try to incorporate a lot of like neon oranges and balance it with like a, like a turquoise blue like that type of look yeah i absolutely love neons in fact the buckaroo bonsai which um i will not say the painting that that never will because i will finish it (laughs) um is bright it's like all black and it's him playing the the guitar with like a ninja sword on his back it's got bright orange and bright neon gouache but i absolutely love these acrylic gouache that i got in japan I'm so glad that they sell them here because they're absolutely the best paints ever made. And they just have this vibrancy that I just haven't found with any other brand. Um, And I really like having um, a, like starting with a complementary color scheme. So I'll start with either, you know, purple and yellow or blue and orange or pink and green, and then just kind of expand on that. And even when I was studying traditional art in college and traditional painting, I really, really liked taking these cheap kids' paints that you could find in the the store, the tempera ones, that, um, you know, some people were just horrified that I would want to use this because it's not not really good quality stuff. But when I would do my underpainting in crazy neon pink, (laughs) I found that the skin tones were so much more alive, and I just felt like there was this warmth there. So I've just always, always been drawn to that. It's hard to, it's actually hard to stay muted. I feel like I, you have to take away my, my paints. I, I wouldn't be able to stop myself from putting in like ridiculous orange or something. <laughs> so I've been reading this really fascinating book on the history of, of makeup, but what it's, it's actually got a lot of art history tied into it. And um, there were paints that, well, like naturally, because when you would make paint from, um, boiling a rabbit and getting the glue and then taking something like, you know, carmine or cadmium, which is incredibly poisonous and mixing them up to make, to make red, you know, all these artists would get crazy sick and it was from just making the paint. So we're so fortunate that like we live in a day and age where we can just buy neon paint because making it would be like radioactive in the the, the 20s. So I just find that really fascinating. Now, when it comes to color decisions on the comics you worked on, 
do you find as though you have to kind of tone it down a little bit or do you get to put in a little bit of like those neon colors that you like or I was um I was really fortunate that uh, Rico Renzi was the colorist on all the previous issues of uh, Howard the Duck and his his color sense I think is one of the greatest him and Matt Wilson are I think the greatest colorists oh my gosh and Jordi Belair so many um, working in comics now and they have a really nice muted tone for a lot of base things like walls floors but then the, the characters always have a really nice uh, warmth to them so I just looked to all of Rico's work as a color guide and it made coloring issue two fly and hopefully for the reader it'll be a little bit consistent as as well but his work if you've if you read uh, spider gwen rico colors that oh, okay um mm-hmm. oh man so many great pops of neon a lot of a lot of sound effects have a really great buzz to them so i think he's uh he's really got a great eye for that and i think even even going back to some of the comics that i really liked before i realized what coloring added to them like when i would read hellboy that coloring which was very flat was so glorious <laughs> i mean it was very few color choices but always perfectly done um so i just think that good good coloring on a comic book is kind of like good makeup on a woman it's it shouldn't be that you almost even notice it it just complements what's already there and it just kind of makes it makes everything better without being um over the over the top but uh but i don't know it, it's there's so many different ways to color there's so many different ways to to make a book um i think you could almost go crazy if, if you're like i could do this color or i could do this color or this one <laughs> so sometimes it's it's better having a colorist be like i'll i'll just take it and you you stop <laughs> <laughs> The, the Howard the Duck reissue, or the um, the new Howard the Duck series that came out, that was a few months ago, right? That's the, uh, that's the yeah. Chip Zdarsky started that one? It came out, oh, maybe seven months ago, because they're up to, I thought they were up to, like, issue seven, and then Marvel was like, we're going to do it again! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> issue one. I'm not really sure how many issues, oh, maybe... Maybe only five. I was just um, thinking about that that the cover of number one, just the colors there is just beautiful. Like the the red vest that he has, and he has red eyes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think I think did Joe do that one on one probably because I think the artist always gets the cover A. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Joe Joe has a really great color sense too. He's coloring issue one of the reboot, um, so his tend to be a little bit more lifelike and then maybe in panels where you have a really big action sequence the saturation kind of gets bumped up yeah joe's joe's work is really killer now i think we should mention uh, his name has come up a couple of times but your husband andy fish is also a yeah. uh, a great uh, comic book artist and illustrator he is. yeah he's a great guy too <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's um he's another workhorse does a lot of stuff i'm excited because he's finally wrapped up a very long project for MIT, which means that he's freed up to start working on um, a few shorter things. That's that's one of the difficulties when you when you take on a, a graphic novel as opposed to just a few issues that like you're really committed for a long time. Um, which is, is good and, and bad. It's it's good because you get to work with one 
one set of characters, but um, I think he's he's excited to really dip into some more stuff. But he he did a really really funny graphic novel for MIT called Geeks and Greeks, and it's gonna be coming out soon. And I was so happy that I was flipping through it, and it's absolutely hilarious. It's about well, it's it's about a, a guy um, who kind of comes to MIT under false pretenses. He posts a video himself solving a Rubik's cube in like seconds, but it's actually faked. So he gets a, a scholarship, and <laughs> and then that that serves as the background to all of the great MIT pranks and uh, the relationship. So his relationships with these people are at the are in the forefront, but then all the great pranks that they do, which actually did happen are in the background. So it's really funny. And he did a, a great job on that. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. And the two of you uh, teach as well, right? Yeah, we used to, we just stopped a few months ago to, um, just because we're just working on the comics all day. We used to do these traveling workshops that were really fun. And we would do like an hour long thing on the history of comics. And then we would do, um, or like half an hour on history. And then we would have a drawing workshop that was really great for us, and it was rewarding because a lot of kids, um, I think they want to talk about comics and they want to learn about it, but it's really not part of like a traditional art curriculum. Yeah. So it was it was fun for us to see what kids are are, are reading. A lot of Deadpool. <laughs> oh yeah. Deadpool is huge with those those boys, um, and Harley Quinn with with the girls. A lot of Harley Quinn readers with uh, teenage girls. So it's really cool to see that. Um, and we used to teach at the Worcester Art Museum for many years. I, I used to teach, um, actually one of my, one of the feathers in my cap was all the teenagers. I helped decide if they want to go to art school or not. It was really rewarding. I think I would probably want to get back into that in case, uh, comics ever got a bit too hermetic for me because you, you really don't have coworkers. You like, yeah. you know, you basically talk to people over the internet, um, and working with teenagers was so much fun. Because I could really relate to them a lot better than when I would teach children. Because <laughs> there's <laughs> there's there's only so many jokes you you can make about like Charoscuro and you know five year old is just like I am so bored <laughs> with you. <laughs> but like teenagers really really get it, so that was really fun. Um, and they also keep they also keep you fresh because you have to know what you're talking about with teenagers because they 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 really call you on it, and I think it helps your work when you go back to your, to your studio, because, um, you feel really motivated by what they just did that, you know, now you get to put into practice all the stuff you just talked about. And these were like workshops, comics workshops or. Yeah. Um, workshops. Um, and when I taught at the museum, it would be, uh, painting classes and even comic art classes that would last a few hours. And it was fun because we would go into the museum's collection and we would look at um, some old paintings so I got to know some of those paintings really well. And then a lot of that you can kind of bring back into your own work. And it's 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 really fun to kind of make the kids look at art that they would normally find bad and really to make them talk about why they don't like it. And, um, and then when you start to talk about what it's like to work as an artist, it kind of makes the kids a bit more forgiving as to what people had to go through simply to physically make paint, to make canvases, to make brushes. And um, just what it what it means to not even know that your art is going to be in a museum some someday. You know, all these artists had no idea that these kids were going to be looking at their work in hundreds of years. So when you take art and you kind of 
learn, okay, maybe I don't like this, but maybe at some point I, I, I will like it. Maybe my taste will change eventually. Um, and you kind of make them stop using words like good or bad. And you make them describe just more things about the work. And when you kind of help them realize what um, the, his the historical context is around something, why something was even made, how it survived, um, I think that can translate into a lot of different forms of art. You start to, because like, I, I guess as I was saying about, you know, understanding the way comics are made, then you start to be like, oh, that's why Denny O'Neill tried so hard with Wonder Woman <laughs> to make her <laughs> cool in the 70s. And he actually was trying to do something nice, but had a backlash. And you just, you start to be a little bit more forgiving about um, whether you think something is simply good or bad. Yeah. So yeah, those were, those were fun days. Those are cool kids. <laughs> When they called me cool, I was like, yeah, achievement unlocked. <laughs> Kids think I'm cool. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I know Kevin mentioned that he saw you guys at his local library. Yeah. Yep. It was it was nice to meet Kevin. It was nice to finally meet someone off, off of the Rift Tracks boards. Yeah. Because everyone else lives so far away. <laughs> yeah, there's a handful of us that live out here, so... All right, cool. So we are a, a small Massachusetts bunch. Yep, yep. And uh, <laughs> some new together. person that just joined the forum not too, too long ago uh, lives up just north of the city, I think. Nice. Well, I'll have to go to a live event at some point. Yeah, well, if you do, uh, we usually hit up the AMC in Braintree, so. Okay, so I'm I'm the one that's, that's far yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a hike for you. Well, I got to ask you, what's your favorite episode of Mystery Science Theater? Oh my gosh, that's such a tough question. <laughs> um, I feel like whatever I, I would say would be, people would be like, yeah, well, that's everyone's favorite. But um, I love Final Sacrifice. I love Werewolf. <laughs> um, those just make me laugh. And I mean, maybe those two, because those were the first ones. And I remember staying up all night with my friends in art school and like watching the sun come up. And um, just laughing till I was crying. Just, I mean, like I had a stomach pain the, the next morning because it was so funny. Uh, Mitchell. Mm -hmm. um, I I gotta say, though, I do not like Man of Sands of Fate. I have tried. Really? I've tried to. I know. I've given it, like, many shots. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it this time. <laughs> it's, real, it's really tough. It's tough for me to get through. I can't explain why. So I won't I won't say it's good or bad like I teach my kids but um, <laughs> for some reason I don't know but yeah the the show every time I I feel sad I just put it in instantly it feels better what about what about you guys what are your favorites oh man um, <laughs> yeah it, I I'm trying to think if I don't think I ever actually decided on a favorite on the uh, episode we did with Matt did I I, I I don't know. Well, well, we definitely named a bunch that we like, but uh, I don't know if you had a definitive favorite. Yeah, I, I don't know as as I really could, you know, pick one. Yeah, it's really hard. I love Overdrawn at the Memory Bank for some reason. I was reason. just going to say that. <laughs> that one is perfect. And when I was watching uh, Dead Zone with, with Christopher Walken, mm -hmm. I could have sworn that the first, that the, the, the nurse and... Oh my god, I, I'm probably going to do a horrible Christopher Walken, but he's like, your daughter is crying for you. It's fire. <laughs> right? Doesn't doesn't she look like uh, Jamila? Have you, do, do you guys remember that? 
Oh, God. see, I haven't seen that movie. Jamila eating flavor fives. <laughs> and I, I, when when I was watching Denzel, because you know it's a it's Halloween movies on, I just the first thing I I thought about was like, oh, I, she was on Overdrive at the Memory Bank. <laughs> <laughs> she got some some bigger work after that. That's great. Oh, so it is the same actress. <laughs> I'm I'm positive. I'm positive. But I have to I am IMDb it later. Yeah, yeah. See if it'll con, it'll confirm. But yeah, that one is exceptionally funny. Yeah, I think I. I don't know. I accuse my parents is probably right <laughs> yes. up at the top. Yes. <laughs> I'm walking. Yes, indeed, I'm talking. I, I accuse, accuse my parents. parents. I'm talking. <laughs> every, every, every time like one of them comes to mind, no matter what it is, you just you have these sentences that just buzz into your head. Yep. I, I will say uh, the other print of yours that I absolutely love that I probably will pick up at some point is the uh, the rocketeer one. Oh, thank you oh yeah very nice thanks yeah um yeah you can get that in my imprint store and i'm gonna have prints of that uh at heroes con in north carolina next time very cool yeah, thank you now are you gonna ever do like a uh, a cover like that like a painted cover um chip really wanted me to do the silhouette style for howard the duck which is why i even did it um because that the Rocketeer was a private commission, and the really funny thing was that I was like, all right, this this is like my last silhouette one, because I had four painting commissions. I thought, well, maybe I'll take a break. And then Chip was like, for the Howard thing, do a silhouette of Howard. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> okay. cool. So. Yeah, that's Thanks. amazing. Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, uh, actually, yeah, he had our our editor tell me to, to, to take a pass at it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fun format, and... Sometimes when I commit to too many gallery shows and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll just pull this idea out and I'll just try and re rework it to a new film. So it's a nice it's a nice standby. And at, and at the same time, it, it gets harder because for the for the Rocketeer one, usually the details are light on a dark silhouette. And this time his eyes were dark. So um, if I made the uh, Rocketeer eyes white, it would have been very strange. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> pictorial problem solved. And how long does a work like that usually take you? Uh, it usually takes me about three days. Um, so it takes me a day to figure out what I'm going to do. It takes me a day to draw it. Um, maybe maybe four days. It takes two to like paint it. Um, I have a really hard time stopping and starting again. So this Metropolis painting that I'm doing, and that one is done in the same C- C-3PO style. So the Metropolis silver face is going to be cut away and then maria is going to be underneath kind of showing through uh i had to stop that one and i probably could have finished it if i had kept going um it's really hard for me to to pick it up again so i when i when when i do paintings i I really try not to switch over to other projects i think that was all all my questions yeah thanks for having me oh this is awesome really fun Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your favorite Riverdale resident, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Veronica, where can we find some of your great work? You can find it at veronicafish.com. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at itsveronicafish. Very good. Kevin, do you have any plugs? Uh, Yep, you can follow me on... uh... Twitter at One Wall Cinema. Um, I'm 
also that on uh, on Vine, and you can go to onewallcinema.com to uh, find links to all the various projects that I've got going on. You want to drop a plug on behalf of your children? Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you go there, you can feel free to uh, check out my kids' uh, YouTube series, Kids Unboxing Stuff. Um, it, it's fun when they kind of forget that they're being filmed and <laughs> it kind of goes off the rails. It's it's pretty fun. So yeah, check that out. Follow me on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Snapchat. Uh, I'm, I'm getting really big on Snapchat these days. Uh, a Bonaventure, and that's with two N's, so B-O-N-N. A V E N T U R E, and uh, that's that's pretty much what I've got going on right now. Is your is your uh, EP still up? Yeah, everything's still on sale. Uh, the EP on uh, it's called Not by a Mile. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, all that fun stuff. Cool. Very good. I am on Twitter. My name there is MC and Friends. You can find me there. I'm also on Vine. My name there is MC and Friends. There I do little humorous cartoons and flip page animations. And also, if you listen to us on iTunes, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. We try to be creative with those. For uh, Android users, we are available to stream and download on Stitcher. And we are also now on TuneIn Radio as well. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And, and I definitely look forward to finding some of your great work when it hits the newsstands. Oh, thank you so much. This, this was really nice. Yeah, it was cool. It was very, you know, interesting to hear kind of how all of it comes together and and things like that. Thanks. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you so much. No, it's not a a problem. Had a blast. (laughs) Well, we have been Veronica, Jaron, Kevin, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. I don't know if anybody wants to say anything I'll use as like the closer. (laughs) Your favorite Riverdale cheer or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs)